Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Build a Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Build a Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy-to-use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Build-A-Trend's project management platform for the last five years, and we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Build-A-Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction, and we are on board. To learn more about how Build-A-Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build-A-Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. Don't miss the Contractors Coalition Summit. You can go to ContractorsCoalitionSummit.com and join us in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Wednesday, May 15th through Sunday, May 19th. This is going to be an incredible event. Again, for all of you builders and designers looking to take your business to the next level to learn about all things, systems, organization, pricing, social media, marketing, how to be a better business owner, all the things that we wish we knew as early business owners many years ago. We're going to speak about that. Also give you a Dropbox with all the content, including contracts and other documents that we're using, as well as KPIs, key performance indicators. So don't miss it. It's a huge opportunity. Some amazing vendors will be there as well that you can network with. So again, Wednesday, May 15th through Sunday, May 19th, 2024 in Minneapolis, go to contractorscoalitionsummit.com. There's so much about anxiety alone that people just don't understand. There's a lot of psychosomatic nature to anxiety. It's everything all coupled into one. How many times have patients come to me with this laundry list of medical issues that were all related to either anxiety or depression? Once we tackled the underlying main disorder, no longer had IBS, no longer had sleep dysfunction, no longer had insomnia. Now, welcome to the podcast today. Very excited. We have Dr. Mona Amini on with us, and she is the founder of Mind Over Manolo Psychiatry. So welcome, Dr. Mona. Thank you, Brad. Nice nice to have you uh, interviewing me today, and I'm excited for this. <laughs> it's going to be really good, and especially we're going to be speaking about mental health, with, which is something yeah. that um, it's funny because with mental health, uh, a lot of us don't talk about it very much. And you know, on the podcast, I haven't really had a mental health mental health expert such as yourself. We've we've really touched on the challenges of an entrepreneur, and you know, you have these ups and downs, and mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we can get together and commiserate about you know our industry, and, you know, some of the challenges we have with our peers. But as, as you work with so many professionals, Doctor Mona, um, do you see certain industries impacted more than other, others with mental health? You know, the spectrum of mental health and mental wellness, I think it affects everybody. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily like one unified body or uh, career position per se that is affected the most. In fact, when I was early on in my training, what they had talked about to us as MDs was historically the most affected increased burnout and stressful careers were more along the lines of 
high depression rates, high anxiety, that kind of thing. And those professions were historically psychiatry, dentistry, (laughs) anesthesiology, um, some of the kind of like more heavy hitter, uh, you know, demographics of mental health affecting MDs and physicians. But I actually think that mental health, because of the increased awareness nowadays, we're seeing this less stigmatized in a way, and we're seeing a lot more focus on it, and we're seeing and hearing a lot more of this in any and every industry. So I would say that dependent on where you're at in your life and maybe the, the hierarchy of where you are in your career most likely, and I think we all have found this as business owners and entrepreneurs, that the higher you go and the higher higher you level yourself up in your career and in life, the more stress you're going to have. Ultimately, you need to build more resilience. I mean, there's a lot of time um, demands and there's a lot of interpersonal demands. There's a lot of people that are under you that expect the highest quality at all hours of each day. And so executives get a lot of this uh, brunt of the pressure. And so probably athletes, executives, people that are in high intensity positions that are consistently in that realm probably are hit the most. It's interesting you say that because I was just going to give the example of athletes. I mean, I think mm-hmm. when you talk about less stigmatized, you know, the the mental health, you're seeing that uh, even in sports, you know, I'm an avid sports guy and they're talking a lot about, yeah, about how <laughs> mental health is such a big, you know, issue. And you think about how toxic it can be with, you know, politics and all these other aspects yeah. out there how, with social media. Um, how have you seen that take a toll? you know, from, from your clients and just industry professionals, executives, you know, all the different now areas that they have to manage and, and, you know, from the public perspective. I think that's a great question. And in fact, I was talking to one of my patients about this just the other day. Um, You can go into a really, really bad rabbit hole, uh, downward spiral when you're attentive and, uh, you know, to the social media. So, If you're somebody who's really higher, you know, high up there um, in the food chain as an athlete or as a professional, as an influencer, whoever you are, you've got millions of followers and um, there's a lot of negativity. And I feel that you've got to have the capability to just turn that off. You have to have the understanding that there needs to be boundary setting on your part, whoever, whoever it is that you are and understand that there's a lot of mental health education out there and we're trying to help others, but in a subset of the population, people have the capability to feel entitled to say their opinion uh, behind a computer screen or behind their phones um, almost anonymously, but not really anonymously, you're still, you know, forthcoming in what your opinions are. And you're going to speak that. And I mean, we see this to uh, address to athletes all the time, they have a really great week, they, you know, hit all their, all their goals, and they're doing a really great job, they could have even broke a record that weekend, you know, in football with however many yards. 
And there's still people that will say, Hey, you, you know, my parlay didn't get this, you know, on my betting and, and, and they'll say that and they'll comment on these poor athletes, Instagrams or, or, you know, Twitters or X, whatever it is now. And it's sad, but I guess that's mainstream social media nowadays. And it's an added stress. It's an added stress to whoever it is you are, whether you are an athlete, whether you are an executive, you're an influencer, you are somebody really high level that has a lot of followers. But on the other side of the spectrum, you're going to have to deal with a lot of the negativity on that side. And you're going to need to have the capability to be very resilient in your thought process and how determined you are to shut that noise out. And I know a lot of celebrities that have actually said they don't even check their accounts. You know, they've got somebody managing it, they'll post and, and things like that, but they're not, they're not reading comments. As soon as you read that, it's a bad rabbit hole to fall under. Yeah, it's really good advice. Uh, what's interesting is, you know, the application for us, I mean, I think of as a builder, and I've talked to other builders about this, I mean, the profession is incredibly complicated. It's very stressful. You know, you're managing people and trades and partners and suppliers, right. and, you know, clients that have these deadlines, right? We all do. And and for a lot of reasons. And what's interesting is, is many of us, I think in any industry you could have, you know, eight, nine, 10 amazing clients, right? That's why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. You have these amazing clients oh, yeah. and, and then, then you get one that, you know, seems to spoil it for the rest, right? <clears throat> it just is that, that constant, um, uh, and, and not to point fingers on what it is, but you may have someone that's just dragging you down for whatever reason. And, yep. you know, social media could be that. And you mentioned that to your point, there's a lot of people that don't go down the rabbit hole of looking at comments. You, you've spoken a couple of times about resiliency though. What, you know, how does someone become more resilient? What are signs of mental stress that we're having? How do you build re- resiliency towards those? It's, uh, It's a consistent and dedicated effort. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. So you're seeing, you know, you're seeing, I I keep using athletes as an an example because they're a great example. And um, the resilience that they have is trained and it's something that they've learned along the way because they didn't become a professional athlete overnight, much like us, much like you and I business owners to get to where we were and to where we are now, it was years, years of practice, years of learning, years of setbacks, years of learning from those setbacks and saying to ourselves, okay, I'm not going to make that same mistake again and learning from that. A lot of that is kind of like uh, insults, if you will, and building into our brains and our bodies resilience and it's resilience training. So what I try to implement in my own practice and just with the accumulation of my experience as an executive over the the course of the last decade, your mindset is a make it or break it because you could have the best team in your, in your practice, in your, you know, construction company, you have such a dynamic team at AFT you could have a fantastic team in, you know, as, as the like local basketball team. But if you've got somebody or a good number of people that are your 20% that are 
taking 80% of your time, it is something like you said, it just drags everybody else down. So you've got to be very mentally capable of over kind of over consuming yourself in a way where you are dedicating yourself to this consistent nature of this is my plan of action. This is where my goal setting is going to be. This is where I want to hit this year or in the next six months, even in the next 90 days, taking small steps to those goals and building on that. But resilience takes time. It is, it is something that it can be learned. It needs to be taught by whoever it is. It could be a, a coach. It could be your executive coach. It could be your therapist. It could be your psychiatrist. But it is something that we all have within us. It's just a matter of the dedication you're going to put into it. And that's kind of the reason why I built my practice kind of as that, as like my baseline, because I know how how it's been as an executive to get to from zero to 60. And it is not something that is very easy. It's not something that, uh, you know, your network of people closest to you may or may not understand. And so you have to have an understanding of ultimately where you want to be, who you want to surround yourself with, building on that resilience, building on that dedication, training your mindset to maybe change, be more confident, self-assured, all of this. It's, it's everything in between. So yeah, I, I think that even if you were someone who was so dedicated to the gym and really wanted to hit this particular goal in mind and your strength training, and you couldn't do it on your own, for example, you had to hire a personal trainer, that doesn't mean that you failed on your own. You just needed help and you just needed a little bit of an, uh, a coach, if you will, to help you get to those goals and attain to uh, attain those and athletes executives all the people in between celebrities included everyone has some sort of coach or a network and body of coaches whether that's in you know within their network that maybe it's a family member acquaintance and somebody that they can turn to as a mentor or it's somebody that's been in the field that's been dedicated that was a coach for, you know, let's say like your QB coach, that's who's dedicated to you, getting you to where you need to be on that team through the course of the year. Uh, and executives included, children included, they have tutors, that's what builds their confidence up, and then they get more successful along the way. I, I love that. And I want to touch on two points you made, you said one, mm -hmm. um, which I'll come back to, you said plan of action, small steps. And then the other one was um, who you surround yourself with. And I thought that's interesting because, you know, we definitely don't want to surround ourselves with yes people, right? Right. You want someone to push back, but at the same time, you don't want to surround yourself with negativity, right? There's there's a lot right. to do with, and, and I remember being super young um, and, you know, a coach I had in high school, and he had talked about that, yeah, it's who you surround yourself with, right? That's who you, you kind of take attributes of your inner circle. And, you know, if you're aspiring to be, you know, a certain level, you got to surround yourself with those type of people. Um, but the plan of action I thought was interesting because again, I know for anyone that, um, you know, needs them, you know, an expert, of course, Dr. Mona, you're there for him. Um, 
but I had a mentor that early on and he was a, he was a pilot and he said, mm-hmm. Brad, I remember him teaching me this about just negative thoughts. He said, look, Brad, I was a pilot and as a pilot, there's a checklist. You get in the cockpit and you have this checklist you run through every time and it's mandatory. Anyone that's flown or is a pilot, they understand this checklist, right? Uh, because there's so much safety integrated in going through this checklist. And then he also enjoyed woodworking at the side, you know, this is before I was in construction or, you know, where I'm at now, but he, he had a woodworking company and for fun, he had this, uh, this sign up in his wood shop and it said, is today the day that I cut off my finger? And essentially, (laughs) (laughs) and and the reason he did that is because there's a lot of accidents that happen around the table saw the router and everything he's doing in in the workshop. And so he would always have this checklist he'd go through in his workshop before he's doing his woodworking, just like he would as a pilot. And the correlation he would say, say, Brad, in life, negative thoughts will come. They're going to come into your mind. And and as us as humans, for some reason, we tend to stew and, you know, consume ourselves with the negativity or the stress or anxiety, or maybe we have, maybe there's a litigation hanging out there. Maybe there's, you know, a project that didn't go right. Maybe there's someone who's upset, whatever it is, we tend to dwell on that. And he said, your mindset's really important that you as those thoughts enter that negativity that, that you're going through that checklist, like going through these items is, is it a song? Is it a happy thought? Is it a family? Whatever it is, this checklist that kind of takes your mind outside Mm -hmm. of this negative spiral. And then now you can put yourself in a very healthy environment mentally. Right. And so I just, when you were given that example, that's something that just came to my thought, you know, from 20 years ago about just, and I'm sure you have many more techniques than anyone, of course, at the end of this, I can get your info to consult with you, but, um, you know, how, how has that played a role for you when you think about just your mindset, you mentioned, Hey, you're an executive, right? Dr. Mona, and you've built your practice and Mm -hmm. you're going through the same thing that you're educating and teaching us on individually building your practice. Right. I, I love that story you share because he almost had, and I don't know if he had any therapy or form of that in the past or maybe wrote, read books or on psychology, but he almost in a way was incorporating and implementing a, a therapeutic strategy, kind of like a cognitive behavioral strategy where when we have these persistent negative thoughts that come in our mind, we're trying to shift that focus with something else, whatever it is that makes us happy. And that could be music. It could be uplifting music. It could be some hobby that you really like, that you enjoy, that will shift your your mind and attention to that for however long, however many minutes or, or hours. So I love that. I love that. And hopefully you took that on and, and utilize that through your course of the last couple of decades. You know, negative thoughts are it's ingrained in us. And the reason is, is the human brain and the human functioning. I mean, early on ancestrally, when we were, um, you know, like almost primates in a way, we were always tending to watch out for the most fearful moments and be mindful of that, right? To prevent anything from happening much more uh, significant than just loss of a finger. I mean, it's loss of life, you know, some, some prey or predator predatorial thing might come after you. And so we always have to be prepared. So we are wired for that. And that is fortunate yet unfortunate. So if you're wired for that and you don't have something to offset that, whatever it is to offset those intrusive thoughts and that persistent negativity 
it's going to weigh you down. It really is. And in any form and every form of the word. So we try to teach that we try to implement, okay, what are some strategies? And this is actually why a lot of executives go through therapy or some sort of mental health coaching, because a lot of this is popping up in their minds. And it's not just within their workspace and what they're doing on a day-to-day basis, but it's also their interpersonal lives. It could be related to their relationship with their significant other, their family dynamics, all of that. And so it's all intermingled, unfortunately. But, you know, I've been in the the administrative and executive realm for somewhere, you know, along the way over the last 10 years. And I'm also CEO of a telehealth company. I can talk about that as well. So I'm doing kind of two things, very dynamic in nature at the same time. And these thoughts come up. You're going to have conversations with others that, why are you doing it in this way? Why did you start it in this manner? Oh, you're too expensive or, oh, this, oh, that. And these can weigh you down if you allow them to weigh you down. What I always tell people in my mindset has always been, you know, you don't want to share everything until the doors are open. Um, and that can be in any sense of the, of the light. So you don't want to get that negative energy in before you get started into something. You don't want to invite that in because it's only going to, it's only going to grow those weeds of the negative thoughts in your brain. Right. So that, that persistence is key on utilizing some sort of hobby or music or whatever it is that is helping you to offset some of those and supporting yourself with the dynamic network that you need to help you. So when those negative thoughts are coming into play, you nudge your spouse and say like, hey, this is what's going on. What do you think about this? Or you know, your mentor reaching out to your C-suite um, if, if it's not a group of yes men or yes women. Like you need some of that dynamic nature in those conversations. And that's why when you were talking about the importance of having the right network around you, that is really key because everyone is supportive of one another. And that doesn't mean that they are yes men or women. It just means that they're hearing you out. They're giving you some sort of uh, you know, confidence and benefit of one another. You're learning from one another. And those are the best friends. Those are the best acquaintances. Those are some of my favorite moments of just, you know, hanging around a lounge and sitting around with our group of, of friends and just talking about business ideas or where we want to be and where we want to be in five, 10 years from now, not just kind of sitting necessarily in the past. Um, mindfulness therapy is also the strategy too that that is very related to what you were mentioning um, about your mentor. That's where you're kind of living in the moment and enjoying the moment and not always looking towards the future. We have moments when we're okay to look into the future. It's goal setting. It's very convenient. It's very helpful for people like us that are very motivated and constantly motivated, but sometimes we have to live in the present and in the moment. And that's where the meditation comes in. Um, whether that meditation is just, you know, lying down on a, on a yoga mat and doing kind of breathing techniques and body scan techniques, but it could be anything. 
for me, for me, I'm completely one of those people that is like, I need EDM or house music to help me (laughs) (laughs) unwind. So I'm not a, a, you know, like a a spa healing type of music with a a sound bath. No, I'm, I get really (laughs) a little bit more energetic. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their they're company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects so for anyone any scale any size they're the ones to call they're here local you know they have an amazing instagram make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing so if you need windows and doors give sammy and adam a call we stand behind pella we love what they do their culture their brand and especially their quality and if you want to learn more about pella windows check our show notes we'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out it's funny you say that but what's interesting you know i've always tried to um you know, I think many of us, as we associate with others, you know, and throughout life, you know, walks of life and I've always tried to look at people and be like, okay, certain people are like more happy than others, right? They're mm-hmm. more happy. As you mentioned, you, you, right. you, I wrote down this term, this mindfulness therapy, which essentially, I think a lot of that has to do with perspective too, right? I found that a lot of people that are happy to your point, they have a lot of very healthy perspective. And what I mean by that is that it's very easy to live in uh, the society where we compare or mm-hmm. life's not fair or I was dealt this hand. You know, there's there's always things each of us have that may be holding us back to some extent. And, and the ones that always have perspective to say, yeah, it could be worse or, you know, they kind of have uh, th- this understanding, as you mentioned, where it's like, a good example is when we're teenagers, right? I can't wait till I'm 16. I can drive. Oh, I have yeah. some freedom, you know. Okay, well, now I can't wait till I'm 18. I'm out of my parents' house. <laughs> I can't wait till I'm done with college. And I'm, So you're always looking like I'm going to be happy once I get here. You know, once my business gets here, I'll be happy. Once I, get... And so there's this continual thing that almost brings us down that we're not enjoying the moment. We're not happy that we're 16 because we're 16 yeah. and we don't have the stresses. And it's hard to have that perspective at 16, but... I think a lot of us fell to that as adults. And I've seen that people that are happy tend to really live in the moment. As you mentioned, of course, goal planning is essential. And you mentioned, even with your peers, you're going to challenge each other, women, men, you know, that, Hey, here's where we want to be in five years. But at the core of it, you're happy where you're at today, Dr. Mona. And I think that's a huge separator for sure. Huge, huge. It's so pivotal. And because if you think about it, just like take take a, a moment to kind of, I guess, I, I, even where I'm sitting right now, to breathe in and really intake the moment that we're in right now. I mean, I personally have been following you for years and your construction company and see you just shoot over to the moon. And I am loving it. You know, I, I, I absolutely love AFT. 
I have well, seen, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, you know, there's, I counter my spouse in a way. Um, we always talk about yin and yang. And I think to have a really great su- successful relationship, you kind of need that yin and yang in the, in the marriage. So I like living in the moment. I love living in the moment. I am very future forward, very future oriented, goal oriented, have always been. And almost to a fault, you know, there's a perfectionist quality in there that um, if you don't hit your metrics, if you don't hit those KPIs, you failed and you can't think of it in that way. And I learned, you know, probably about halfway into my career after residency that that's not going to be the case. You can't, you can't put a number on things. You can't put a number on life. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs. We're going to, nobody could, could predict a pandemic and, you know, shutting down the world, not let alone, you know, like your local cafe and schools and no, it, it was the world. And it doesn't matter who you were, where you were, um, how many kids you had. I mean, everybody was in online school at that point, right? So what do you got to do? You have to live in the moment and just really make the best out of it. And you're absolutely right. And I say the word resilience again, because you saw the most resilient people do really well during that time where everything was shut down. They may not have had a lot of interpersonal uh, relations or or um, meetups with their friends and colleagues and everything, and much more of their life was done remotely. Um, or, you know, it's it was a great process for an introverted individual, but for <laughs> most other people, it was really hard. So what do you make out of that? It's just the, the dynamic nature of every human and every individual. And I always say every one of us has a story. We all have a backstory. We could all write a book. And it could be about our lives, the stressors about our lives. We've all had something occur to make us who we are today, whether that's good or bad. It's a matter of how you want to end that story. Where do you want to go from there? And at the end of the day, that's kind of how I live my life. That's how I hope, you know, that I relay that message to my patients as well. Because you have to enjoy where you are at right now. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And how many stories have we heard where you had a loss of a loved one or, you know, you're grieving, even if it's your pet or some someone that was more of an acquaintance that they lost their life too early. And, you know, you just don't want to be put into that spot. Enjoy your time now, wherever it is that you're at. You will grow. And if you have that mindset that you will grow, it can be a little bit, you know, slower within, but you're intentional with it. And when you have a good mindset and have a good heart and the compassion for it, it you will get to that, that goal. I truly believe and, in that. And, and I believe, you know, you being an expert makes you more empathetic too, because having the MD mindset like you had, especially mm-hmm. where you know, so formulaic in a way. And then you've had the realization of, Hey, I need to live in the moment. I mean, you've, you've, yeah. you've been through that personally. And so as an expert for someone such as myself to come in, you'd be, it, it, it just makes it that much more valuable, you know, for right. those listening as they're thinking about, okay, you, there's definitely some of us that, um, 
you know, at different levels, right, of mental health and wellness and, you know, different aspects there. Where, where do they look? Resources, you know, such as yourself. I mean, it, you're here in Scottsdale, but for ones that are in yeah. other parts of the country, I mean, why not only how do they find an expert such as yourself, Dr. Mona, but more importantly, the value add for them to have a mental mm-hmm. health advocate, right, that's working with them in their business, how that can impact their life, their business, their family relations, just just everything. Absolutely. Um, you know, there are so many different modalities of finding who you need on a, as a mental health professional. So we've got different types of mental health professionals out there. We have MD psychiatrists such as myself. Uh, then we have psychologists who could be PsyDs or PhDs. Uh, They only do talk therapy, although in certain states, they do have qualifications to medically um, prescribe medications. And then you have the counselors slash therapists. And a lot of those, it's dependent really on what you're looking for. If there's somebody out there, you know, that has questions about, for example, I've got depression, I have anxiety, I have sleep issues, I have all this other stuff intertwined. Do I need medications? Well, you would go kind of towards the um, the path of finding a psychiatrist. So that can be a MD or a DO. There's also mid-level providers, nurse practitioners, and physicians assistants as well. Um, then if you're talking about more talk therapy, so cognitive behavioral therapy, other forms of talk therapy, PhDs, PsyDs, counselors, therapists, they kind of do more of that. Um, and that's strictly what they do in their own practice. So the way that I built my practice was everything all intertwined under one roof. And the reason for that was I saw over the accumulation of years uh, that patients really do well when it's the most minimal provider possible because then they don't have as many people to follow up with. And those people are not necessarily talking to one another and collaborating with one another. If you think of yourself, you know, you're, uh, you are the contractor, you've got subcontractors kind of under you, and then they might have subs under them as well. It's kind of like a pyramid. Well, psychiatrists kind of fall at the top of that pyramid as well. And we, medically manage patients, but we can also perform talk therapy and do talk therapy with our patients as well as interventional strategies too. And then we've got the therapists and counselors and PhDs that kind of all fall under that uh, realm as well. But it's a collaboration that doesn't always exist out in the market and in the free world right now. So I built my practice so that me as a solo provider, somebody can come and see me. And if they wanted meds, great. But if they didn't want medication, I'm still giving them the capability to have talk therapy. You know, we still do the medical kind of purview of things like lab work, um, IV supplementation, oral supplements, things like that to kind of treat the whole whole holistic well-being person. Um, But they would have to kind of dwindle down and dive into what they're looking for. Then they can look locally or under their insurance panels as to who they could see. But if they're looking at self-pay, which is kind of how my practices run without any insurance, 
They can go online. They can Google somebody, you know, psychologist or psychiatrist near me. A bunch of these analytics will pull up and then they can kind of go from there as to who they want to choose. And this is a, it's a difficult field for people to really feel comfortable with their doctor. So it's all about building rapport, meaning you really have to be comfortable with providing all of this con- you know, confidential and private history about yourself to that individual. And if after a, you know, one, two sessions or so, you're not feeling the vibe, you know, if you will, if you're not feeling comfortable with telling your story to this individual, you have all the right to seek somebody else. I think that's where people get stuck because they feel that I have to see this therapist because they're the one that I chose first. And I have to go through six or 12 sessions, which end up being sometimes a half a year or a year. And they haven't, they haven't gotten benefit in any which way for that reason. Um, but they stuck with it thinking that that was their only option when there's so many other options out there. It's really a matter of who you want to see, what type of provider it is, and their specialty credentials. Some are even credentialed and specialized in a way where they are just tackling ADHD or just tackling you know, couple relationships or something like that. And so you can even get down to the nitty gritty and search for them in that, that manner. It's such good perspective. And I love that you shared just the, not just the complexity, but the realization of it, right? I mean, part of it is, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, there's a personality aspect. So having a great rapport with your therapist, you know, can work wonders and yes, it's okay to transition if you feel that they're not meeting your needs. And then from, as you mentioned, from the talk therapy to the medication side. What's interesting, because even as you're giving some examples and you're talking about, you know, anxiety mm-hmm. and depression and some people have social anxiety. So some of us may not even realize um, that maybe there's a mental health element to us, right? We may, yeah. you know, have some social anxiety <laughs> going to a networking event or, right. but, but even more so maybe certain things are making our stomach hurt or we have like physical ailments because like our mind is controlling you know, the, you know, as some people get anxious and they have these other elements that, that lead up. So all these things essentially is why someone should be saying, okay, Dr. Mona, let's work through right. this because it could be short, it could be long, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. I think, you know, I, I'm the kind of person where if you've got something going on, there is no way I'm going to say, here's what you're diagnosed with. That's your label. That's your label for the rest of your life because you'll never be able to tackle that later on in life and remove that from, you know, your, your list, your checklist, if you will, this hypothetical cloud that's sitting above you. That's not true. You can work on social anxiety. There's so many things that, you know, with a lot of work, with a lot of attention and with a lot of support, you could be doing really well at a networking event in just another six months or less or or more, just dependent on how severe the, the case is. I think that it's about the who you are, what your demands are in life, you know, where you're at, everything can be addressed. And there's so much about anxiety alone that people just don't understand per se. And uh, there's a lot of psychosomatic 
a nature to anxiety that we can't see if you're not in the medical field. It's everything all coupled into into one, right? So our minds are obviously connected to our body. So your sleep can be dysfunctional. Um, if anything is off, even on your in your vitamin levels or thyroid or whatnot, that can be throwing things off. Um, and that could directly attribute more mood disruption and cause some depression, cause sleep disruption, cause you to feel fatigued more easily. And these are things that we don't necessarily understand uh, if you're not in the medical field, because it's something that like, man, I am just so tired today, but it's been in the last two months that I've been tired every single day. Must be stress, must be this, must be that. But there's 99 things going on in your life. And then there's another added stressor every single day that's just piling up, piling up. And what happens is we kind of, in especially in today's society, right, everything is handled by yourself. And it's a lot going on all at once. And we've, we've found that we are taking on way more responsibility, maybe than we can handle. And it's a problem that I think women have a lot more of because we just yesterday we were talking in a networking group about how women don't have the capability sometimes to say I need help when they need help because they're too shy or it's a societal issue that we we kind of break down and we're fearful of that I need help because or I need help or it's like the the three words I need help doesn't almost exist in a female's language in in her mind you've got to kind of break through some of those barriers and some of these are generational barriers we deal with culturally or society or whatever it is it exists it it it, it exists mainly because we haven't worked on it but now's the time to work on this now's the time that when you find out that the anxiety exists and it's causing some disruption to your GI, you know, your stomach, and it's, you know, causing a lot of little issues, which are ending up to be irritable bowel syndrome down the way and all of these other things coming about. The underlying issue was always anxiety. And how many times have patients come to me with this laundry list of medical issues that were all related to either anxiety or depression. And once we tackled the underlying main disorder, everything else started just, we were peeling back all these layers and then no longer had IBS, no longer had sleep dysfunction, no longer had insomnia, you know, and some of the other things. So it is very important for sure. I, I love that you gave that example because you know, treating anxiety with you, Dr. Mona, now essentially all these probably other medications and doctor visits and mm -hmm. I mean, health issues that come from, I mean, all those can essentially be wiped away, right? Once you get down yeah. to the root cause, yeah. uh, how, wh what advice would you have or are there not even advice, but maybe there's common traits. And what I mean by that is a lot of us maybe have had someone close to us that has, has dealt with mental health and, you know, you never want to to where it gets too late because a lot of them won't speak up. And, right. you know, you never notice that maybe a coworker or an employee or 
family member may be dealing with certain things you don't know, how can we maybe be more acute, acutely aware of what's around us and those that are close to us to see maybe signals that, hey, maybe they're dealing with something and, um, mm-hmm. you know, how can we help? I think one of the easiest um, things that you can see in a way, I mean, it's not going to be for everybody because some people put on a really great face, but depression is probably one of the easiest ones that you can see manifesting and kind of brewing in somebody. Some of the times you'll see that there's some instigating factor. So they lost somebody close to them or they lost a job, something as simple as, as that, or something happened or they were demoted and things have just shifted in their life. You know, their what they foresaw in their path and in their book, if you will, wasn't, it's not playing out. And that's what makes them really upset. And then they get isolated. If you're noticing that somebody is isolating, you know, somebody that was always in your networking events or really outspoken in your team meetings, for example, and you haven't heard really much out of their out of them the last week, two weeks, month, months, um, you can check in on them. I would say it's so much better to do it individually. Oftentimes we kind of pull them aside and say, Hey, like, how's it going? How are you doing? How are you feeling? You don't say, Hey, you depressed? Hey, you sad? Nothing like that. Because immediately that's going to trigger an alarm in their brain that they're oh my God, I'm, I'm looking like I'm depressed or I look like crap. I, you know, whatever it is that I'm manifesting right now is exuding physically or emotionally and I can't do that. So then they're going to put on a facade and all of that. It's really, in, it's got to be intentional and you have to show empathy and compassion to them. Otherwise, there's nothing that's going to come out of it. And it might not be after the first time. It might not even be after the second conversation you might have you might check in on them via text or leave a a voicemail or something like that and see how they're doing stop by their house Um, obviously if it gets so severe and they're talking about feeling worthless or wanting to end their life it gets to the point where you know we have a conversation with a medical professional do they need uh, psychiatric treatment Um, do they need to go to the hospital or an er that's a entirely different conversation, but you know it's really great to check in on your colleagues, your peers, your acquaintances, family, friends, when you see just some sort of change in them. And it could even be just a really bad anxiety or they're dealing with a really bad trauma leading to insomnia or something along those lines. There's you might get a little bit of of uh, info, but you can always, do a little bit of fact finding um, if they allow you, but you can always share information as well. So, Hey, I was listening to this podcast the other day, or, Hey, I had this book and I wanted to share it with you. And maybe that would enlighten them to read it or have an audio book and have some understanding of maybe what's going on within them because they might not even know that that's the situation going on and to seek help. Because they're too scared. Yeah. Yeah, And I I, I like the angle you're giving about asking questions and recognizing even little things such as isolation, which could lead to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Where does the passion come from? It it sounds like, I mean, I know 
having known you, Dr. Mona, I mean, you're super passionate about what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, when did that start, you know, especially the special specialization to, you know, go into the field of mental health? I, um, gosh, I started college and I went to Arizona state. Woohoo. Some doubles. (laughs) Uh, so I went to ASU. Uh, that's actually where I, uh, met my husband. Although we knew each other early on, we started dating. We got married by my sophomore year. So we were married young, but it was pure love, not arranged or anything like that. (laughs) Uh, so second year he, so he was actually, my first semester of college was his last semester. And long story short, we decided that there was probably no way that we could both get into med school together um, years apart and kind of share the same uh, path if we didn't try to go together. And so after my second year of ASU, I actually went straight to med school and we went to the British West Indies, which was not, you know, not necessarily common. But we had a a great experience. And right when I started med school, I, at that time, I was one of the rare few probably in the nation that knew, at least at that time, like, you know, however many years ago, that I knew I wanted to do psychiatry. I was actually always into the mental health game. Um, It was a different realm. And I saw there was so much that can be done futuristically and innovative solutions for mental health and psychiatry. So I actually started med school with the mindset of I'm, I want to be a psychiatrist. That's it. Like that's, that's where my path is going to lead and had that mindset the entire four years. And then residency is another four years, which I came back to Phoenix for, uh, we had couples matched and, Throughout that time, you know, very consistent. This is what I want to do and kind of dabbling in, in several different things. And through my accumulation of years of experience, whether it was in admin or clinical, I was always kind of picking up newer trends and ways to talk to patients. And this worked, but this didn't work, you know, in this demographic this is how I kind of need to discuss this, you know, disorder or this treatment with a particular population, much more so very differently than this other subset of population. And over the accumulation of years as well, I had so many acquaintances, colleagues, peers, family, friends. I mean, everybody was like, when are you going to open your private practice? (laughs) We want to send so-and-so to you. Like, can you see so? I would get texts. I would get calls. Can you see my mother? Can you see this? Can you see that? And I was like, no, no, no. And I shied away from it for many years because... I was always in the mindset of there's much more to a psychiatrist than just doing med management, five, 10 minute, you know, visits, not really getting to to know my patients. I need to know the story because if I don't know the story, I can't treat the underlying factors. And that's, that's psychiatry. It's a story. There's a background to every single patient. And to where they're at today, because you can help them get to another step, to get to another goal, to get out of this funk, um, 
and build on really great relationships with their spouse and their the dynamics with their family, their peers, colleagues, work. Why not be a part of that? And that that to me, that's where I'm at. That's what really hits home. I really want to help patients. That's where my passion is, is really, I want to see that change. And I always tell patients, it's not going to be overnight. Even our medications in psychiatry, it's not an antibiotic. You're not going to see a result in 24, 48 hours. You're going to see a result once you're consistent with it, take it. And we see maybe about a month and a half later or more, a little bit of the results out uh, that come out. And that could be treating any sort of disorder, anxiety, sleep, depression, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, whatever it is. Um, I just love the field. I read the books. I, you know, I used to, when I was uh, in elementary school, middle school, high school, there was always books that I was like reading that always had some sort of psychological undertone and it was intriguing to me to see as an adult why I like that, but that kind of prepared me for my career path and why, you know, my passion is where it is today. I love that. Well, it shows in everything you speak about and, you know, your yeah. practice, you know, that passion mm -hmm. so important to it. Um, and, and I think it's interesting because as you mentioned, there's so many pressures from culture, society, genetics, oh, yeah. I mean, all these different aspects. And you also touched on telehealth. You're doing that too. So how, how has that maybe changed the game or how have you incorporated that aspect into the practice? Sure. I started telehealth. I was a big proponent of it here in the Valley back in 2015 ish. And, uh, that's when things were still really it was not in its infancy because there were actually a lot of telehealth companies that were very successful, but it was a subset of not necessarily mental health that they were doing. Um, after the COVID pandemic, I mean, telehealth just shot through the roof because there was no other modality to treating patients. But I love it because I can see my patients and meet them in any circumstance. So you're sitting in your office, we can have a meeting right now, and then you jump on your Zoom call with your board of directors in just 30, 30 minutes. You're not commuting to me, not necessarily you know, saying that it's, it's, a, it's a burden to do so. But why not meet the patient where they're at? Because it's psychiatry. I don't necessarily need to have a physical examination with you. So why not open this, this up as a modality for seeing patients? And in my practice, I've incorporated that hybrid model for that reason. If I have an executive or even a student, wherever they are at, they can carve out the 30, 50, however many minutes a month for me. But if they want to do it in person versus virtually, we, you know, I can be accommodating to both. But most of the time people are like, oh, I'll see you virtually. Yeah, I'll be in my office or I'll be in my in my home office or I'm just, you know, in between certain meetings right now. I can hit it. Um, I'll, I'll see you from my living room. I've seen patients with their newborn babies kind of in the corner sleeping and we're we're doing a a patient facing interview. I mean, it's, it's so convenient. I think it's lessened the mental health stigma because you don't feel like you're walking into this like dusty psychiatrist office. Uh, 
you feel a little bit more at home, more comforted. And I, I love kind of delivering that care modality for that reason. How has the business, you know, changed over the years from, and, and even from the very beginning, you know, what do you wish you knew when you started your company? Now you have a lot of expertise running the firm, but you know, from day one. Oh, there's so many, <laughs> um, you know, I, I feel like one of the things that I think I've learned along the way is that negative self-talk, you, you need to just quash it, just quash it. You don't need to talk about other kind of negative things going on in the industry. Do your own thing. And um, one of the things that I've mentioned to others as well is there are a multitude of different cafes out there that serve coffee. They're successful coffee shops. We've got Press Coffee, Coffee Bean, Starbucks, everybody. They're all competing with one another, but competition is relative to how competitive you are. So if you've got a modality and you've got a company and you've got a practice that is catering to a niche, continue with that. There's no reason why you need to pivot or go elsewhere just because there's another competing entity or another office or another construction company. You do your own thing. All of the word of mouth and all of the networking People will get that over time that, no, this is the dynamic company that is doing it right. This is who I love going to. So that is my coffee shop. That's who is catering to me. I love their oat milk latte. That's who I go to every morning. As opposed to other people may really love another coffee shop and they might go there. But everyone has their own position in life and it's got to be your understanding that you need to be full-fledged and dedicated and goal-driven to just get to where you want to be in your business and in your practice, in your life. And just don't mind the other static noise that's coming from, from around you because there's going to be a lot. There is going to be a lot. But if you surround yourself with really great mentors and people that have probably already been in the game or they've coached the game, they've been on these teams on the winning side before, they're the ones that are going to say like, yeah, you're doing it right, but hey, can you maybe pivot in this manner and maybe adjust your process in this way or adjust your policy in this manner to cater to a bigger subset and crowd? And that's really what we're seeing a lot of with like PE firms and VCs, right? They come in. They have these consultants, they're taking a look at your strategies, they might change things around a little bit of your company. But at the at the end, it's kind of like, I, well, I want to stick to my guns. I don't, I, you know, I want to continue to be bootstrapped for this very reason. And that's what we did with our, with my other company. Um, we're bootstrapped, we're very driven, we know we have a really great model for telehealth and telepsychiatry. But we know that as soon as some outside noise or outside entity comes in, they're going to want to change the entire game. And I'm not willing to drop my quality for that reason. So that's it. I mean, you, and you, you're going to have other people and entrepreneurs that have a very different mindset. And that's okay. That's how they work. But um, that's, that's how my mind works. <laughs> 
Well, the fact that you have those standards, you're not going to drop that quality. Yeah. I mean, it just speaks to you and the brand you've built, right? Which is a huge part right. of that. So what keeps, what keeps you up at night now? Um, you know, I just opened my doors about uh, less than two months ago. So a month and a half ago of my private practice. And it's just a matter of what I need to do to get the word out. Um, you know, doing some more social media. And um, I am an avid believer of networking, and especially in person that once you see individuals, and they, they, especially in this field, and in this industry, they really need to see who you are and how dynamic you are. And if they can, if they can really talk to you, because you don't want to be shut off, you want to be who you are. And Uh, be open and honest with people, but you also want to attract clients and patients. And um, it's a business at the end of the day as well. So just, you know, it's just a matter of a lot of networking right now for me and getting the word out and, you know, doing these types of interviews and podcasts. And I feel like I'm really in a really great spot for myself in terms of my niche, because I love what I do you know, I try to exude that in everything that I do. I mean, every element of my practice is me. I mean, the entire interior design of my entire office and space was me. The way that I have conducted business is really me. And yes, I have an executive coach. Yes, I have other, you know, networking uh, individuals that have helped me. But at the end, it's all about my vision and executing my vision. And I mean, anything and everything can keep me up at night, but I still need my sleep. So I do get sleep. (laughs) So I do have to get that rest. Uh, So, but I mean, that's the space that we're in. You're an entrepreneur. You got to have that. It's that dedication. And I know this vision and I'm a very different model than really anybody else out there, but I always like to stay ahead of the curve. And uh, that's what I've been told. So I'm, I'm sticking to my guns and believe that this model is the wave of the future, much like, you know, how I adopted telehealth, like in 2015, when not a lot of people were believing in it or doing it. Well, you have to be the trailblazer. Someone has to do yep. it, Dr. Mona. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yep. along those lines, I mean, you mentioned that you sleep well. What do you do for fun? Oh, wow. Um, go to festivals, uh, like music festivals with my husband. Um, traveling for like a Vegas weekend here and there uh, is a really great time. Um, family time. Sometimes it's just about vegging out at the house and hitting the pool, um, watching movies, reading. I love listening to music. I am a cross between hip hop and EDM house music. So it's like a really vast <laughs> difference, but it depends on my mood. So I, I can be all over the place. I love local sports teams. I mean, man, I was going to all, a lot of the games when sons were in the finals that, that, (laughs) that hit me really hard, hit the family really hard Cardinals and everyone. So, but yeah, being a, being an advocate for the local community too. Well, that's huge. Well, for those listening, as you mentioned, you, you open your practice now, Dr. Mona, where can they find you? How can they get a hold of you and contact you forward? 
so I'm on Instagram. It's Mind Over Manolos, M-A-N-O-L-O-S. Uh, I also have my website uh, that they can go to. It's www.mindovermanolos.com. And uh, most of the information is there. They can book a discovery call, which ultimately is like a few minutes of just getting to know one another and seeing if they would be a good fit for the practice. And if it's just so that they can have a fine, uh, fine tuning kind of understanding of my model, since it does differ from the rest and, uh, and going from there. And if it doesn't fit, you know, I can give referrals and help to steer them in the right direction because I don't want to leave anybody at, you know, with, with zero help. Well, you've been amazing, Dr. Mona. Can't thank you enough for coming on. So thank appreciate you. making time. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And uh, I've enjoyed this experience. And thank you so much, Brad. If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favorite ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom, their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes, please share those as well. Again, subscribe, make sure you're following any questions that you have topics. We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address guests that we should have on. And even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support and we'll see you next time.